This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. From the cowardice that dares not face new truth, from the laziness that is contended with half-truth, from the arrogance that thinks it knows all truth, good Lord, deliver us. Amen. Any good storyline deserves a truly great ending. Ernest Hemingway wrote 47 endings to his 1929 masterpiece, A Farewell to Arms. When an interviewer asked why it took so many endings, he responded that it took so many endings to, quote, get the words right. In the Gospel of Mark, we have a truly amazing story. There is this man who comes from God, who stares down demons, who heals lepers and paralytics, who attracts crowds and crowds of followers, who calms raging storms, who raises people from the dead and insists the little children come to him. Now this is a storyline that deserves a truly spectacular ending. Yet what we get here in these first eight verses of Mark 16 is, well, anything but impressive. This ending is so objectively bad that almost every biblical scholar agrees that verses 9 to 20 are a later addition, likely added by a person or a group of people who simply could not stand for the gospel of Mark to end in such an unsatisfactory way. And I, have to under- and I do understand their impulse. Truncated at verse 8, this ending misses the mark in almost every conceivable way. From a literary perspective, this ending fails to deliver. It gives no narrative closure to the gospel account. There are no takeaways, no summaries, no words to instill hope or inspiration in generations of believers to come. Even the grammar here is awkward. In most of our translations, verse 8 ends, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. But a more accurate translation from the Greek would actually be to no one anything they said, afraid they were Four. It's as if Yoda was writing the gospel's ending and he had to stop writing mid-sentence to meet Luke for a Jedi, Jedi training session. Even more disturbing than the lack of literary flow here is the way this ending, it just fails to inspire. I mean, think of the other gospels. The gospel of Matthew, it ends with the Great Commission. The gospel of Luke, it ends with the ascension. The Gospel of John, it ends with talk of signs and wonders, and the narrator invites all who are reading to believe in Jesus. Now, those are great endings. Those are endings filled with good news that make you want to get up and shout and share the gospel and go out to all the nations and go to the altar and give your life to Jesus. Those are motivating endings. But the Gospel of Mark, it ends in fear, bewilderment, and silence. It's pretty hard to rally much energy around that. 
And yet the more I thought about it, the more I wondered if this totally terrible, no good ending is actually the best, worst ending. Because it is just so relatable. We get the women who don't have it all together, who have witnessed the most amazing event of all of history, and they stumble away from that tomb that day, not exactly sure what to do or what to say. We get their sense of bewilderment and fear, their inability to have the right, if any, words. Just a few days ago, on March 25th, the iconic children's book author Beverly Cleary died at the age of 104. She was the creator of such lovable characters as Henry Huggins and Ralph S. Mouse and her most famous, the Ramona Quimby series. Now, clearly, Cleary changed the scope of children's literature. She was a children's librarian herself, and she felt there was an unmet need for stories about real, ordinary, unheroic, awkward, mischievous, rebellious children, children like Ramona Quimby, who hated to write in cursive and hated to eat tuna fish sandwiches. Cleary's writing steered the field of children's literature away from fantasy or historical fiction to stories of real children with real bruises and real mishaps and real pesky, annoying behaviors. And because of this, Cleary's books have never gone out of print. Mark's Easter account, like Cleary's book characters, resonate with us in ways that the neater, more victorious stories cannot, especially this year. Now, we are in lectionary year B. As such, the synoptic option for lectionary preachers is from the Gospel of Mark. And I find it particularly fitting for this year of all years, because we, like the women, are weary and tired in our approach to Easter. Yes, we are here. Yes, we are listening. Yes, we are wanting to celebrate anew the promise of Jesus' resurrection and the gift of eternal life. But we are also living with what some call late-stage pandemic depression. We are getting vaccinated, slowly. And the world we are returning to is not the world that we left pre COVID. This is an Easter where we can relate to the muted alleluias, the fear, the trembling, the sinking feeling that Jesus is risen, but all is still not okay. Other years, we might have resonated with the talking, walking Jesus, the Jesus who meets us in the garden and calls us each by name, but not this year. This year, the image Mark gives us of the women standing before the empty tomb fits just fine. It aligns with an entire year of empty calendars, empty offices, and empty dining room tables. And maybe 
Just maybe, because we are in this place where we can relate to the women and we can relate to this scene so well, we can also relate to the promise of the words here. For in this Easter story, we learn that when we feel most empty, most hollow, most absent, most at a loss for words, God offers us his grace and his mercy. God meets us in those sad, awkward spaces and fills us with his love. Verse 7 is particularly important in this passage here because in verse 7 we read of this white-clad angelic figure and he's telling the women to go and to tell the disciples and Peter to meet Jesus in Galilee. Peter is singled out. The women aren't supposed to just go out and just tell the disciples in general. No, they are to speak and to tell the disciples and Peter specifically. Peter, the quintessential example of a faithful disciple who succumbs to fear and cowardice and avoidance. The same Peter who denies and disowns and ultimately abandons Jesus. That is the Peter who the angel specifically tells the women to share the good news with. That is the Peter who is invited to be reunited with Jesus in Galilee. And in those two words, and Peter, the messenger from God seems to be offering a blanket invitation to all the Peters out there, the ones who just can't get it right. The women at the tomb, the Ramona Quimby's, the Laura Catherine's, and, well, you. We, all of us, are personally invited to Galilee to meet the risen Lord. Which, if you think about it, is the real cool twist to the ending of Mark, because it wraps back to the beginning of Mark. The angel tells the woman, women to tell everyone to go to Galilee. There in Galilee, specifically emphasizing Galilee, they will see Jesus. Now, the entire setting of the first nine chapters of the book of Mark all occur in Galilee. Galilee is where Jesus' early ministry occurs, a ministry full of teaching and miracles, but also a ministry that is filled with mystery. In Mark, we hear what's called the messianic secret, where Jesus performs great signs and wonders, and just as quickly as Jesus performs them, he turns to the people and says, don't tell anyone what I just did. Yet now, having seen the empty tomb and knowing the resurrection story to be true, the women, the disciples, all of us here are sent back to the very beginning of Mark, to the very beginning of Christ's ministry. We're called to read the story from the beginning again anew with new depth and understanding, knowing the story in full. One of the best movies I've seen in recent years was the 2019 movie called Knives Out, starring Daniel Craig as a detective with a heavy southern accent. The movie has so many twists and turns as you try to figure out what really happened in the death of the crime novelist Harlan Thornby. 
And if you've seen the movie to the end, you can't wait to see the movie again from the beginning. Once you know where the storyline goes, you want to watch it all over from the beginning with the ending in mind. Similarly, this awkward Easter narrative is redeemed by the fact that we now want to go back to the beginning of Mark and read the entire account again. For that matter, knowing the truth of the Easter message, when you think about it, perhaps we don't simply just want to read the Gospel of Mark again. We want to rethink our entire world, our lives our purpose in being, armed with the knowledge that Jesus redeems all the places that are lacking, that are less than, that are anything but heroic and victorious and neat, we can re-examine all of our most basic, most fundamental assumptions. Our awkwardness, awkwardness is no longer awkward. Our emptiness is no longer empty. Our silence is no longer deafening. Which is why, ultimately, this ending is the best, worst ending we could ever have. Glory to God. Amen.